business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 11 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us on the Avion Money Show. It's great to be with you once again. And today we have a company. Yeah, it's a great company. It's a great idea. But as I just said to the co-founder, Sheldon Nossel, is that I just love speaking to companies that are started by young guys who've taken the leap of faith, who've taken the milieu in which they live, which is technology. They've mastered it and they've brought it to the fore. And they've really become experts in their fields and uh, it's really just about seeing young people staying in South Africa, building businesses, and really adding a lot of value. So on that note, Sheldon Nossel of Blue Shift, welcome to High FM. Thanks so much for having me today, Avi. Great. Sheldon, before we get into it, after that intro, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, how long you've been in, in, in tech sort of stuff, and when you started Blue Shift. Sure. So uh, my name is Sheldon Nossel. I am the co-founder at uh, Blue Shift Consulting. Uh, we've only been in business for around six months at this point, but uh, both myself and my co-founder have been in the tech industry for about the last five, six years, uh, working specifically with uh, automation, uh, machine learning and analytics. And so we decided to start Blue Shift a short while back uh, to see how we can really help small businesses in South Africa grow. I take it the reason you're starting it is because you saw a niche. You saw that there was an area you guys could add value where value didn't exist. No, definitely. So in our previous lives, uh, we were both working for larger consulting firms, uh, kind of dealing with big corporate clients. And we found that uh, the technology we worked with, a lot of it being emerging technologies, was really creating a lot of value for these larger clients, but was creating a bit of a gap in the market between them and some of the smaller players. And it was that they were really investing large sums of money into these emerging technology programs, but some of the smaller businesses out there didn't have the resources or the capital to kind of engage in these businesses. So we just decided we needed to find a way to deliver efficient solutions and on a cost-effective basis to some of the smaller players out in the markets. Sheldon, maybe let me just position it for you. I remember I went to a conference maybe 15 years ago when I was a little bit younger. And the presenter was saying that it's going to come a time where your cell phone will not be more than seven meters from your body at any given time. Sure. And we all looked at each other and thought, okay, nice idea, but, you know, whatever. Uh, today, that statement is ridiculous. Seven meters, 70 centimeters is strong. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole different world. And when I look at you, you, you look as young as you sound, and the confidence is there, which is great to hear. But I think often what we need to do is we need to take a step back because just as it is in the financial world, you talk in financialese or in the legal world, you talk in legalese. In your world, you talk in techies and most people are a little bit lost. Let's unbundle a few terminologies. There's a thing called AI, which is artificial intelligence and something called ML, which is machine learning. What, is the, what are they? What is the difference and how do they really work? So in tech, and especially a lot of the guys that we work with in tech, we like to use a lot of jargon. I think 
some guys, uh, it, it makes us feel smart. But at the core of it, we've got this concept of artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence is actually a range of different disciplines. But essentially, at the core of it, it is how do we get computers to mimic uh, the way humans see, think, and interpret the world that we live in? So there are a number of different disciplines which kind of um, form part of that. And there are a number of different technologies, such as computer vision. How do we get computers to see uh, uh, objects? How do we get them to detect what uh, things look like? How do they see the world? Then machine learning is largely the area of how do uh, we think. And so this is normally based on statistics and statistical models. And it's uh, mainly concerned with how do we make predictions and decisions based on a set of data. And essentially, that's how our brains work at the end of the day, is that we've got a number of data points in any given situation. And it's how do we predict the best path um, or how do we make a decision about which direction we should be going? And this is really the main use case of where we use machine learning is in our day to day uh, lives or in business. How do we decide what uh, what is the best uh, the best use of my money in this particular situation? or uh, what uh, would best benefit my business in the long term. Uh, and these are the kinds of uh, applications, the kind of use cases that will uh, then uh, apply machine learning to. Jonathan, would I be correct in saying that, for example, the Tesla car, the self-drive car is the most advanced level of AI sort of that one could think of? So it's, it's a really interesting use case. It's, it's a really difficult challenge that they're trying to solve because the car itself would then have to interpret and see the world exactly like the driver would. And I mean, there are a number of different problems there. First is just the, the car being able to see. And so that's where computer vision comes in. And it needs to understand that there's a person in front of me, there's a dog in front of me, the streets comes to a T-junction. And then it also needs to uh, make decisions about, do I turn right, do I turn left? Um, do I slow down if there's a, a person crossing the road? If there's a car in an accident in the right-hand lane, do I switch lanes? And so it is a really, really challenging problem. And that's why we're seeing it's so much investment going to those kinds of programs, because it's a really interesting problem to solve. And us as technologists, I think that's our main kind of drive is how do we solve these kind of interesting problems? But yeah. So interesting, just sitting around the table um, a few weeks ago, it actually this topic actually came up and I was told that Tesla is uh, in specifically in Israel is hiring a certain type of graduates to help them with the AI when it comes to the automated car on the moral and ethical decisions that the computer needs to make. So if you go to hit the old lady with a shopping cart or the mother pushing her baby in the, in the, in the pram, which one are we gonna hit? Uh, we're gonna have to hit which one of them um, and it, it sounds macabre, but I suppose in real life, unfortunately, decisions like that sometimes need to be made. Um, and they needed someone to think slightly who's not thinking clinically to be able to assist them with making that decision. And I, I found that uh, sort of quite an interesting thing. Okay. Yeah, right. Let's get, let's get into the meat of it. So now you've started your company up and running, but who needs your services? Sure. So we are mainly looking at assisting small businesses at the moment. So as, as I've mentioned, these technologies have been, uh, for the last um, couple of years, being used largely by uh, bigger corporations, the likes of your big banks, your insurers, uh, companies like that, because they're seeing a lot of value in how they, they decrease their requirements of resources, be it capital, be it human resources, to be able to execute these kinds of um, processes within their business, such as within their finance departments, their HR departments, or within customer service. 
And so now we're trying to see how do we apply that to small businesses and enable small businesses to offer the same kind of customer service uh, with a greater efficiency and a lower cost uh, to the business. So then we need to take a quick break, but uh, almost lost track of time there. Thanks, Craig. When, when we come back, you know, as I was saying before, what I'd like to know is from your own personal experience is how is technology, AI, ML, affecting the old traditional businesses that have been around forever and how they're moving and how they're morphing and growing. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Sheldon, welcome back to you. Sheldon Russell is the co-founder and I suppose CEO of Blue Shift Consulting. Sheldon, let's take big old companies, companies that have been there forever. The, our banks, certain insurance companies, um, I know I'm at Discovery, which is known as a really new company. Technology is the, just the way everything works there. But how easy or how challenging is it rather to go into a company that's established, that is up and running, and sort of move them or drag them into the new era? Yeah, so it's quite an interesting problem that we often get faced with because you've got these smaller, more agile uh, kind of companies coming into spaces like the insurance and banking space. And, and we see them as digital first organizations where they've adopted technology from day one. And they've kind of grown their culture around adopting technology and using technology for everything uh, that they do. But when you come from a more legacy organization, an organization which has gone through the waves um, of uh, technology, et cetera, um, then we, we've got to see how we foster this mindset and this cultural uh, kind of, um, or this culture of innovation and agility. And so the biggest thing there is really about how do we invest in education? How do we invest in um, kind of uh, changing that culture towards people being able to freely express ideas, people who are in the line of business, um, who are doing work on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, understand what technology can do for them and understand how it can be applied to assist them in their jobs. So really it's about education, going in there and educating. But, you know, I'm sure at this point in time, everybody sort of moved to some point and to some level. Is it fair to say that if people are not fully on board now, they're never going to be and that the, the company will actually become redundant? So I don't think so. I still think there is the opportunity to go through these moves and uh, adopt this kind of uh, culture of change. I think you're always going to get a level of resistance, no matter what kind of organization you're part of, whether you're part of a small startup, which is super agile, there's always going to be a level of resistance because even when people aren't used to doing things a certain way, people generally and humans by nature, I think we do have ways which we like to do things and it's about making sure people are owning that technology and understanding exactly what it can do for them and why it's important and and i definitely think as long as that is kind of communicated properly and there is that um adoption of an education a growth mindset then then no business can uh, get stuck in a this is how we do things and we never can change or catch up now, Sheldon, it's interesting, as I'm talking to you, I just remembered um, two, three weeks ago, I bumped into somebody who very excitedly gave me a whole lot of CDs that they had done, they wanted me to watch. And just today, I came across them again, and I thought to myself, well, why haven't you watched them? And then I just took a moment to think, well, how? Where? You know, where am I going to put the CD in? I don't even have a card definitely does not have one. My, the laptops used to come with a detachable that you could plug in if you needed. It doesn't even come with those anymore. 
So it's gone to a point where that piece of technology is absolutely redundant, where it was just the way things were done for so many years. But the truth is, all it really was, was an extension of the floppy disk, just morphing year, I mean, generation after generation, until it took a quantum leap where it's now a totally different way of doing things. And I think that's the way we need to be. Is that, that's, I, I don't, let me ask you this. Did you ever remember flying? I don't know if you ever remember flying before Corona, but and having arrived with a ticket and actually printed out ticket on a ticket book, or did you always just arrive with a piece of paper? So I think, uh, yeah, for me, my experience was always with a piece of paper. So I mean, that that's as far back as I can remember. But I mean, even even from that, I mean, now I walk into the airports, I've got a QR code on my phone, and that's how I scan it, and that's how I fly. And so I mean technology is ever changing. And I think as humans, we need to adopt that culture of change. And that, as with everything else in the world, we've all gone through this pandemic. Uh, we, we understand that certain things have changed. We've changed the way we, we keep our hygiene, things like that. Technology is another one of those things that we just need to understand is forever changing. And you, you can choose to stick with what is uh, and get comfortable with it. And that may be okay for you. But uh, there, there is a greater level of efficiency uh, and, and there's a greater level of, I guess, value that gets generated by going with that change. You know, what's fascinating is that if we had spoken about Zoom prior to Corona, it would have been a nice idea. It would have been a really great piece of software, quite nice. But why would I do it when I can get you to drive across Joburg and come into the studio and I can have this interaction face to face? Today, if we both lived on either worked on either side of the studio and we had a choice either to walk out our offices or come in and come into the studio or to do it on Zoom, we would choose Zoom because it's just so much quicker, so much more efficient. And that just shows us in two years how things have moved and things have changed. And um, you know, sometimes it just takes a pandemic to push us forward. Um, so that unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time. So let me just get through the things that are quite important. Blue Shift, how did you come up with that name? So it was actually quite a big debate uh, about how we chose a name because we really wanted a name that represented what, what we planned the company uh, to become or, or what our vision was. And so we borrowed the concept from physics and there's this concept of redshift and blue shift, which is actually uh, the change in frequency as an object moves closer to you or further away from you. So blue shift is an object moving closer to you and blue shifts have been observed to go up to about a thousand kilometers per second. And we really like that concept of speed and, and progress. And that's what we really wanted to embody in uh, our company is being able to progress at a significant speed and assist the companies that we help to uh, progress at a significant speed. So let me maybe go off, off topic here a little bit. You're clearly young guys. Have you had that scenario where you've walked into somebody who's far senior than you um, in age and sat down and the person looked down their nose at you and within a very short space of time, the person just looks in and says, look, you're out of my league. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm looking at the proposal. Talk me through it. And you can almost have a sense of helping somebody cross the Rubicon there, you know, taking somebody out of the dark ages. Have you had that experience? For sure. So I think uh, we, we've had, uh, I guess, 
the two key experiences we often have when we walk into proposals is we often get the statement, you guys are a bit too young to know this, or aren't you too young to, to be doing this? But then when we start kind of having the conversation about what we are proposing, uh, it's, it's again very much back to that education culture, but how do we explain why they would need these kinds of things in this business or how uh, it benefits their business? And I think once we can start having that conversation about how the technology can assist them and why it's important for them to adopt this kind of technology. And we can demonstrate our expertise in that capability. Then it starts becoming a more uh, equal kind of conversation. So it's really, again, about presenting it and, and going on. I never forget, I once went to a seminar, a business seminar, and the businessman stood up and he looked like somebody that you and I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. You know, piercings, tattoos, black t-shirt, torn jeans, and an entrepreneur of note, um, and if I can maybe describe the graph that he drew on, you know, to show us about first impressions. He said, my first impression is way below anybody else's first impression. And the moment I've had an opportunity to do my pitch, the surface area that I create of trust is far greater than someone whose impression, first impression is higher than mine because the expectation is already there. And, you know, that went against the, 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 the philosophy that if you don't make it in the first three minutes, you're out of the business altogether. And he really said, you need to get an opportunity to express yourself. And I'm sure it's exactly the same with you guys, is that once you've had an opportunity to go out there and put it out forward, all of a sudden the whole, the whole you know, the scenario changes and people listen. Sheldon, if you were asked by some fancy tech magazine to look in your crystal ball and say, what will the world look like at the end of 2022? And what will it look like in five years' time? What, what's your thoughts? Sure. So I, I very much do believe that I think we're going to see uh, a lot. And, and I'll speak to South Africa specifically because I think I'm, I'm very invested in the, the future of technology and startups in South Africa. But I think we're really going to start seeing even more startups coming into uh, our legacy industries like our banking, like our insurance, disrupting these kind of industries. I think that disruption is going to carry on uh, over, the next, uh, over the next 10, 20 years. And I think we're going to see a much more decentralized kind of effort in terms of these kinds of service providers. And the, the customer centricity part of it is really going to be at the forefront. And how do we use tech uh, like robotics, like artificial intelligence, like machine learning? How do we use those components to make sure that we're operating as efficiently as possible, as low cost as possible to our customers and offering them the best service possible? And it's just about how do we carry on leveraging these technologies to offer the best service possible to these customers? And um, when you talk about service, something you know, interesting that came up because, again, I've had this discussion many, many times the fact that customers can do things on their own, the fact that you and I now don't need to go into the bank, but it doesn't mean that it's moved from not going into the bank to calling someone. It means that everything happens on my app to the extent that when I call the bank and I say to my banker, I need X or Y, and she'll often say to me, it's quicker and more efficient to do it on your own on the app. Is that considered in you know, tech um, parlance a value to customer service. If I do things on my own quickly and efficiently, does that mean that the customer service level has improved? 
So when it comes to self-service and customer service in general, it is about a balance. You need to be able to give the power to those users that want to uh, be able to uh, do those things on their own. You need to give them that power to be able to do it. And you empower your customers then through self-service in some aspects. But on the other hand, you still do have customers who, who want a bit more of a personal relationship and you need to be able to balance that. And so the technologies on the one hand that can cater to uh, customers who want um, the power to do things themselves and their technologies on the other hand who, uh, for customers who need assistance. And, and then in the back end, so I can use the example of a call center. There's a lot of technologies that you can deploy with the call center agents to assist them in assisting the customer, to make sure that their queries are resolved in a quicker fashion, make sure that they don't have to keep on uh, following up, calling back into the call center to understand where their queries at. I suppose that's what it's really all about. But again, you know, I think we've got to a level of efficiency that, are, that is so high that to try and better it is it's just an ongoing evolution which just takes us into new areas that just had never been explored before all, all together. Sheldon, just before I let you go, maybe just give us an insight as to where AI was a few years ago and where it is now. So people can have a visual concept or an, a, a, I suppose a, an idea as to how things have moved. Take Zoom out of the picture. What have you experienced in your own working life where things have just really moved in leaps and bounds so the amazing thing is people often fail to acknowledge that artificial intelligence is an extremely old concept in fact uh, computers becoming cognitive go back to the very first computers in fact and i think the biggest development has become the accessibility even when I first joined the industry five, six years ago, you really had to be a statistical genius to use these kinds of technologies. And we're moving towards what we are calling low code now, where as a, a business uh, kind of, or as a, a common employee, you are starting to be able to get your hands onto these kinds of technologies. A lot of the big uh, providers like your Microsofts, like your Googles are making it simpler and simpler every day to use technologies like computer vision, to use technologies like machine learning for forecasting and predicting and really allowing the average person to start getting their hands wet with development and, and using these technologies in their day-to-day -day work. And that for me has really been the biggest change is you no longer need to necessarily understand what the statistics say in order to be able to build uh, some artificial intelligence for yourself. It's exciting. And I'll tell you what's so exciting is every time I've asked you a question, you just come back. It's clearly a passionate, uh, a passion of yours. You're clear on top of your game. Sheldon, how do people get hold of you guys? Sure. So uh, we do have a website. Uh, our website is blu-shift.co.za. That's blueshift.co.za. And you can get a hold of us at info at blu-shift.co.za. That's info at blueshift.co.za. Fantastic. And then just lastly, before I let you go, if you had to choose the ideal clients that you're looking for, what would your top three be? So our focus at the moment really is working with small businesses, guys who really want to scale their businesses, uh, work on improving the efficiency, going from more manual processes into a digitized world, as well as startups. Startups has really become a big part of our business, holding the hands of founders, helping them understand how they can take their idea and execute it from a tech perspective uh, and help really help them scale their business uh, and become a digital first business. Sheldon, everything of the best to you. I really just uh, hope you guys go from strength to strength.
and let's catch up uh, in a couple of months and uh, let us know what your progress has been. 100%. Thank you so much for having me, Avi. Fantastic. Great. Um, guys, just let you know that we are going to end this interview and we will start in the next one shortly. Thanks so much. Be well.